hour brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing. Tim Ben's in for Mark today. And I wrote in the Trib kind of a different view on an old topic. And it's a topic that still won't go away for another couple weeks, and that's Le'Veon Bell and his absence from the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like the guy is about to catch a break. Now then again, I'm approaching this topic of conversation from the basis of logic. And I don't think logic comes into play very much when either we talk about Le'Veon Bell or when Bell does anything on his own. And now, he should catch a break. I don't know that he will with Steelers fans, but he should. And this is what I mean. If Bell gets off to another slow start, the lack of on-field playing time for many Pittsburgh Steelers during training camp and the preseason should take Bell off the hook for some of the excess criticism he was setting himself up for. That's what I think. As you may recall, based on everything that I've heard Steelers fans say this offseason, it seems like you do have very good memories about this, but as I recall, when Bell didn't get off to a good start last year after missing training camp in the preseason, People were putting a lot of the Steelers' early struggles on him specifically. Now, the Steelers, as it turns out, in the run game with Bell in the first three games of last season, well, he only averaged three and a half yards per carry over the first three games, 180 yards total in the first three games. In the past game, he was even worse, averaging less than four and a half yards per carry, or sorry, per reception. And that's pretty lousy for a guy who said he wants to be paid as both a receiver and a running back. Now, by his own admission, Bell's absence from training camp due to his contract, in his words, didn't allow him to get in sync with the offense early in 2017. And Steelers fans, I'm sure, are ready to pounce again if Bell has another poor performance out of the gates in September this year. But the truth was that the offensive line wasn't at its usual elite level to begin 2017. Ben Roethlisberger wasn't at his usual elite level to begin 2017. Juju Smith-Schuster had yet to be fully discovered, and Martavis Bryant had a bunch of misplays on deep balls that left a lot of yardage on the field. If Bell, who absorbed the majority of the criticism last year because he refused to sign his franchise tag tender and report to camp in the preseason, if he got that much heat last year, Should he get the same amount this year, even though so many Steelers on offense haven't been a part of games and practices? 412-333-9939. Ask yourself that question. Is it right to put it all on Bell if we see a replay of what we saw last season from the offense to start the year? You know, the narrative was pre-written that a lot of the camp practices and preseason games were going to dictate how we viewed Bell versus the rest of the offense. Like, if he was gone, as he was, from the training camp and from the preseason last year, and there was a disconnect between the offense's productivity and Bell himself, well, then you could just say, oh, it's about Bell being away from training camp. Or it's about Bell, he didn't get preseason reps. Okay, but other guys struggled too, and we still made Bell out to be the reason why things were so choppy to start the season last year this year can we do that or should we do that 
You know, I know people are mad at him. I know people are upset with him. But can we just assume that the Steelers' offense is going to be inconsistent because of Bell's absence when Antonio Brown has practiced less than he ever has in training camp and is yet to play in the preseason. Ben Roethlisberger has yet to play in the preseason. Marquise Pouncey, Ramon Foster, the tight ends, Vance McDonald and Xavier Grimble. I mean, there's been a lot of guys who haven't done very much. And logically, you would say then, that it's not just about Bell if there are problems to be had on offense to start the season, but we're so ready to do it. And he's done so much to position himself against the fan base, and he's done so much to erode any good faith that could be built up towards him. I think we're going to do it again. So maybe I should look at this from a different end of the lens. Maybe I should look at this from the other perspective, which is Le'Veon Bell might be buying the offense a break. Because I've always been one that says that the offense and the defense, for that matter, when you get out to the early games in September, aren't as much affected by the preseason as we want to suggest. I mean, the Browns last year went 4-0 in the preseason. And look what happened. And we made a huge deal about Bell having rust. A huge deal about Bell not being in camp shape. A huge deal about Bell then not being in game shape. And we keep going kind of step by step. Well... What was game shape really for the Steelers to start the year when a lot of those guys didn't participate all that much in the preseason? And what will be this September when it's even worse? You know, we don't know how much, if at all, we're going to see Bell, excuse me, Brown, Ben, the tight ends, and the full offensive line together against Tennessee. If it is what it normally is, it'll be a couple of series in the first quarter, maybe into the second quarter. Is that enough to get up to game speed I mean, we throw that around all the time, sort of retroactively to Bell last year. Oh, he wasn't in game speed. He wasn't in game shape to start the year. What are we going to do this year? Are we going to attach that to Ben Roethlisberger? Are we going to attach that to AB? Or do we just do that to Bell because he's pissed us off? You know, I'm not trying to preemptively make excuses for the guy. But at the same time, I think there's preemptive blame that's being associated to him already from Steelers fans because they assume he's going to be bad based on what they saw last year. I'm not happy with him either. I'm not happy that he didn't sign the contract he was offered. I'm not happy that he's handled himself in the way that he has publicly. But I have a hard time blaming him for something that hasn't happened yet. And I have a hard time blaming him for not being all that different when it comes to practice time and game action. You can't just dismiss Antonio Brown not playing in a lot of preseason games and say, ah, it's nothing, and then act like it's everything for Bell. You can't say, ah, it's all right, Ramon Foster will just get right back in there and be the guard that he always was, and then say because Le'Veon Bell was gone from training camp, he's going to suck. I mean, you're making an intellectual disconnect there. Let's go to John and Slippery Rock. John, go ahead. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, good day, Tim. How are you? I'm okay. Hey, you made, up a, you made a really good point. I, I guess it really, de- it really depends on the synchronicity and the chemistry of the team. If uh, the offensive line is playing well, the receivers are playing well, and Roethlisberger is playing well, and Bell is off to a slow start again, then it's possible that uh, not getting any reps and not being with the team during the preseason is hurting his performance. Um, I, I guess it's really going to depend on, on how the whole team plays as a whole, you know? 
Yeah, I think you're right. I just feel as if in Bell's case, we've already written the end of the story before the story's even started to be written in Game 1 against Cleveland. And we, we kind of did that because it was convenient to do so since the team was really good in the regular season last year. Like, they fished 13-3, and three, so we could just go back and say, oh, they would have been even better, and maybe they would have won uh, you know, against Jacksonville or Chicago if Bell had been in better shape early. Because we're angry with him. We're mad at him. But let's also remember... Offensive line wasn't real good to start last year. Ben himself wasn't real good to start last year. We just don't talk about that because Bell is a more obvious scapegoat, and it's easier to assign a reason why he wasn't good. Oh, he wasn't there. The other guys were there. And we like to say training camp is important. Preseason is important. Oh, it's important if we want to make it sound important. Or we could dismiss dismiss it if you want to feel better about ourselves. Oh, who cares if A.B. isn't practicing? He's A.B. Ed calling from the airport. Hi, Ed. How you doing? Good. Uh, I think it's going to be the same as last year to the fact that it's like any job. If you throw someone that supposedly knows how, what they're doing into a position, but they don't work with that team or them people, it's not going to work. It's going to be a mess up for the first couple of games. Okay, well, hold on for a second then, Ed. Are you concerned about that for Antonio Brown, too, since he's practiced and played less than he ever has in any preseason that he's been a Steeler? Yeah, uh, he's a great person, but... Just it, it always happens, and when people okay, so we'll it, just it's not, not going to show it's going to work. Okay, then, then answer the question. So you're saying you are as concerned about everybody else as you are Bell, or you're saying that it's just Bell that's the problem? I think Bell's a problem because he'll start working into everybody else's head, and if you can't work as a good team together, and the person's not there, it does it just does not work. Okay, but I'm also th- thanks for the call. Fan, so I don't well, care. Yeah, you don't you don't care, and and maybe people won't care in Cleveland if they start off zero and eight again. Although I do think they'll be better. I think there's like we talked about before. There's a little bit of truth to the hype, especially if it manifests in Week One against the Steelers. I just don't see it being to the point where all of Vegas should be betting on them, like we were talking about before. But it's very hard for me to wrap my brain about, around that logic to say, oh, yeah, Antonio Brown hasn't practiced at all, but it'll be different for him than Bell. Well, well why? Oh, yeah, Ben got knocked around a little bit, and he hasn't been practicing all that much and didn't play in the first two preseason games and might just a little in the third and then not in the fourth. But that's not a big deal for him. It's a big deal for Le'Veon, though. Big deal for him. Tyler is calling from Crafton. Hi, Tyler. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, how are you? Good. Um, So my question would be, I I see what you're saying with uh, with it kind of being the same across the field for everybody. But do you think that it's going to affect Lev more than the other guys because the other guys have at least been at practice, kind of practicing as a team, even though they haven't seen the preseason games as much? Um, you know, kind of the same with Lev. But well, to be honest with you, Tyler, they- to be one hundred percent frank, I I miscalled it last year. I didn't think he'd have a problem at all because I saw him when he was away. Like, think about it from this standpoint: the year before. He was with the team for training camp of the preseason, then he disappears for three weeks because of the suspension, and then comes back, right? So right. All, all that good work, apparently, that he did, all that allegedly important work that he did in training camp of the preseason erodes for three weeks of him not being there, and then he jumps right in, and he's fantastic from week one in 2016. So I thought that would happen again last year. I guess I was wrong, and maybe it did matter. By his own admission, he said it did matter in the passing game. But I can't just say it's exclusive to him as opposed to everyone else. I just can't assume that it's only about him, especially when there's one piece of evidence that says it wasn't a big deal in 2016 and another piece of evidence that says it 
was a big deal in 2017, which is real and which was phony. One line open, you can also tweet me at Tim Benz, PGH. Dayan Kovacevic coming up at 535 or thereabouts. We'll talk to him about this topic, the anthem thing as well. And should there be more hit, uh, heat on Clint Hurdle? It seems to be a percolating topic on the baseball front. All that and more to come here on 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Does your girlfriend want to bang a penguin? Well, dang, but I guess if that's your freebie, then my freebie would be Crosby. But, uh... Wait, what? The X at 105.9. You know what's funny is, as I go through my tweets and emails here, I always struggle with this. That there are some times where I completely forget that there's no difference between perception and reality. Whatever you perceive is real. And, like, for instance, all these tweets and emails that I'm getting, they used to show the anthem all the time. No, they didn't. They didn't. Awful announcing went back and looked through everyone. They showed it three times last year, and twice it was related to the controversy itself. You know, I just Same thing with this, uh, you know, the, the Le'Veon Bell thing. I just got a tweet from somebody here. Ben, A.B., and the rest of the team are at training camp working together with their teammates. They're all going over plays together and forming a team. Lev is in a studio rapping and smoking blunts. Kind of different that he's not there with them. Didn't Joe Hayden just come in out of nowhere and play his best football at the start of the season? He was with their arch rival. Like, you know, we, we want to assign reality to our version of it. And sometimes I just, I, I admit it, I completely lose perspective on that. 412-333-9939. Let's go to Dan, who's calling from the car. Wants to talk about Lev. Go ahead, Dan. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, Tim. Doing a great job doing it for Mark. Just Thank you. Uh, no, I think I completely agree with you in regard to the perceiving, uh, you know, what you perceive as reality. All I hear all day long is the opposite. People complain about Lev Bell not going to be there and whatnot. Look, if you're already mad about Lev Bell not doing well, you already made it up in your mind that he's not going to do well. So the anything that could happen is going to be a surprise. And yeah, and I don't like to – it's a good point. I don't like to equate a lot of things to fantasy football, but – you oh, should you should you should ask those fan you should ask those fans though. Okay, you think he's not going to do that well. You think he's not going to do that well. What if you're drafting last in your fantasy football draft of eight teams and seven other running backs have gone first? Are you going to take Lev Bell? Ask them if they're going to take Lev Bell in that situation, and then see how oh, worried yeah. they are. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like the guy I was talking to today said, oh, you know, it might be a good idea to do it because if all else fails, they're just going to run the wheels off them and just run them all day long. The only worry I have about Lev Bell joining the team late after training camp, is maybe some new plays with the new offensive coordinator. Other than that, he's a professional athlete. He's going to come in and do his job. Any other, you know, any fall behind is just going to be a product of missing the training camp, and we're going to move on next year when he's not even a part of the team. Dan, appreciate it. Yeah, going to move on. Thank you. 412-333-9939. I don't know that he's going to show up and be a professional. I don't know that he's going to show up and be great. Uh, I don't know that everything is going to be forgotten once he gets here. Heck, he might sulk and pout if he gets too many carries because he wants to protect himself going into free agency. I, I, I don't pretend to be in the mind of Le'Veon Bell at all to understand what he's thinking. He is, as I've said on many occasions, the most difficult athlete to figure out that I've ever covered because on the one hand, he comes off as really dedicated, he's really in shape, uh, he's very yes sir, no sir, direct when you talk to him in person, and then he gets to his phone and he's completely a different guy and he starts tweeting out ridiculous stuff and gives you all these dumb rap lyrics and he's not at all the same guy that you think you're talking to. 
there, there's a there's a chasm between who he is as a player and you can count him on the field and his personality off the field and a difference between his personality in person and the personality behind Twitter. He's the most difficult guy in the world to figure out. So I'm not going to pretend to know that he's going to show up and be 100% dedicated, 100% on board and not gripe about either a not get enough carries to build up his stats or b getting too many carries because they think elsewhere in the NFL that he's eroded too much because Tomlin gave him the ball 400 times again. I don't know how he's going to handle that. Mike calling from his car. Hi, Mike. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, Mark. Or, uh, Tim, sorry about that. How's it going? Good. How are you? Hey, doing all right. Um, I'm kind of in that same ballpark that you guys were just talking about. It, it's more of a perception thing, especially for the fan base. It, you know, nobody likes to lose. If the Steelers come out and their offense lays an egg, the first three or four weeks of the season, and Le'Veon Bell isn't tearing it up, you, you're going to look for a scapegoat. So he's already the guy who's kind of distanced himself from the love of the Steeler fan base. Here's what you want to see. Here's, here's, here's something. Let, yeah, else, let me so. tell you this. Here's here's one to consider. What if he's really good and Ben and AB are off? How's well, that going to go? That, Right, that would be an interesting conundrum for the Steelers nation, then, wouldn't it? Yeah, and you could go back and look, and you know, Brown was fantastic in the uh, Cleveland game, and that big catch at the end certainly bailed him out. Um, you know, he wasn't great against Baltimore, and Bell grinded his way to help them get that victory. Uh, no one was good against Jacksonville because Ben couldn't get anybody the ball because he was way off and had all the interceptions. But you know, there were games early in the season, the first uh, five weeks or so that were in no way on Bell's shoulders, but we tend to look back at the first three weeks and make it all about his absence and say, oh, well, once he got going, well, then they figured it out and everything was fine. And that might be some retrospective analysis. Matt calling from his car as well. Hi, Matt. You're on 105.9 The X. I think that you're comparing apples to oranges when you're comparing the guys that are hurt and them not being able to contribute to a guy who's not there by choice. The guys that are I, I, hold on, hold on, be able to pick up the slack. Matt, I, I would be I would be if I was talking about whether it was right or wrong. I'm not talking about right or wrong. I'm just talking about performance. I'm just uh yeah, without Because I'm not defending that, his absence. It'll, it'll have a difference. I I mean I've I have not once defended his absence, aside from the fact to say that you know, the CBA says he doesn't have to be there, but you know, in theory I'm not defending his absence. I get it, those guys are hurt. I'm not saying they're dogging it, but I'm asking if it's so important to play in the preseason, if it's so important to get the reps in camp, if none of those guys are getting that, should we be just as concerned about them or are we just in advance going to make it all Lev's fault anyway? Oh, no. But I think that uh, obviously getting not getting the reps for whatever reason will impact. And if Lev were in there, he would be sharper than if he's not, and he could help make up for those who are out not by choice. Okay, so in 2016, and I'm not setting you up, I'm just asking, in 2016, you think that he was as good as he was when he came back from the suspension because of training camp? Because he didn't do much in the preseason that year. He got like a couple of carries against the Saints in Game 2, as I recall, and that was about it. So, I can't recall. Huh? I can't recall. Whether his downtime uh, showed in the first few games, I don't recall that. Oh, okay, well, thanks for the call. He was awesome when he came back, <laughs> which is what I was saying. I was tr- wasn't trying to make you look bad there. If your opinion had been yes, then okay. But I, I don't know. It, it's kind of funny to me that we assume that 
three weeks of training camp, and then you go away for three weeks of the regular season, and you just bottle up all that training camp and then apply it three weeks later, and it just bursts back out again. We, we apply the thinking of, boy, rust is really important when it's convenient to our own analysis. When we come back, Dayon Kovacevic joins us from DKPittsburghSports.com. Uh, we will talk to Dayon about Bell, about the anthem debate, about the Pirates and Clint Hurdle, too, and Starling Marte as well. This is 105.9 The X. X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. None of what you're saying is reasonable. It's laughable. Ah. You're already dumb. Let's see if you can go to dumber. The X at 105.9. Joining us right now, it's Dayan Kovacevic from DKPittsburghSports.com. He's brought to us by Chapino Restaurant and Cigar Bar, the city's best seafood and chop house located in the Strip. And Dayan brought to us by Walnut Grill. DK, I understand you're covering Riverhounds and the Tampa Bay Rowdies. And I understand it's lit. I understand that the experience will be lit, Ben, as you're going to find out for yourself, because I'm sure you're coming down the hill to partake in this event as well, right? I will be there, yes. <laughs> What's going on, Ben? Uh, will this be streamed on DKPittsburghSports.com, and if so, will you show the national anthem? Uh, they will have an anthem. Uh, I don't think it will be shown. Uh, it, it, they, they, actually, the, the United Soccer League does have an arrangement with Watch ESPN, you know, the uh, the online pay version mm-hmm. uh, of ESPN. Uh, I somehow doubt that they're going to be all that concerned as to whether or not anybody sees the anthem. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, that's been quite a story. Um, well, it has I, been, and it's, it's a little bit frustrating for me because, and, and actually, as we moved along the show today, it got a little bit better. Like I, I do find the debate over whether or not the networks have an obligation to show it for news value versus not showing it for relationship value over business to be an interesting conversation. And I also find it to be interesting from a fan standpoint, Dayon, because the vast, overwhelming majority of people consume football on television, not in the stadium, and it just feels to me like so many more people think they see the anthem all the time on TV when they don't. It's, they it's, don't. It's hardly yeah, ever been that, shown. That, that's, that was my number one impression today was okay, and because you don't see the anthem, ask yourself when is the last time you saw, even locally on AT&T Sportsnet, uh, the American anthem or when the Penguins are playing, when they do both anthems. Uh, occasionally it'll happen, but it's not something that's done religiously for the national broadcast it's almost never so why even bother uh, you know announcing or coming up with any kind of decision related to this other than the fact that last season it became such a big deal uh, that they went out of their way to televise these things and even had cameramen uh, you saw it in person Tim as did I and both both at Heinz Field and, and other NFL stadiums going right up and down the sideline as if they were taking roll call to see who's standing, who's kneeling, who's there, who's not. Um, I think that they just basically wanted to, meaning ESPN, to go across the board with something and say, look, we're just not going to bother with this stuff. Yeah, and now it's not about making things better. It's about winning, and that's where the problem really comes into play. It's, you know... Not now. It's not just a matter of the players um, have to stand for the anthem. They're not allowed to stay in the locker room, uh, and the players who want to kneel aren't going to accept being told to stay in the locker room. Like everybody wants to win now. There is no middle ground to be had. Now this is just what a mess they've made for themselves. Really, regardless of what your stance is uh, on this, and I understand 
and respect the, the players' stance who have chosen to go either way with this thing. But, you know, you're doing it still at the place of employment, at the place where you get paid. And people mistake an awful lot First Amendment stuff. Well, that's free speech. It's not no, not when it comes to private employment, not when it comes, which is what the NFL still is. Uh, if you want to go and kneel in Market Square, make your own statement, have a public demonstration, that's what the First Amendment guarantees you the right to do. Uh, to do it while you're working, uh, that's a little different because that's up to your bosses and ultimately when you're talking specifically about the NFL, the collective bargaining agreement. Dan Kovacevic with us, DKPittsburghSports.com. Dan, will people be kneeling in protest of Le'Veon Bell and his performance in September as they did last year? You mean his rap, or are you talking about his football? Oh, I've been kneeling over that for a long time. Wow. <laughs> Even by his standards, <laughs> this last one was no winner. Um, I, I will I will say that... Has Shady McCoy talked about that yet, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> he is going to be... He is going to... He's going to have the Cleveland game. See, that's the thing that he'll get away with. Uh, I think a lot of them have that. And it's one of the beautiful things about opening against the Browns is that it is that fifth preseason game. You yeah, it didn't go, go that way last year, though, did it? Uh, you know, it did and it didn't. I mean, they worked their way into shape, but if anybody besides Deshaun Kaiser is the quarterback, they lose that game. Yeah, I know, I know. But nonetheless, you know, they're still the Browns and you can get away with a performance like that, which is kind of my point. And, you know, Le'Veon wasn't able to move two inches in that game, and they were still able to to get things done. So I think you're going to see he's going to have a struggle. Uh, he, he's going to have, uh, you know, a game or two where he's not himself, and we're all going to be peppering him with questions about it. He's going to get sick of it. He's going to, you know, go somewhere and talk about how beleaguered he is and how nobody respects him, and then he's going to come out in week three or four and just absolutely erupt. Yeah, see, I don't even know I if think- he's going to do that because he so rarely does that in season in front of us. He does it on his phone when he's by himself on meant. Twitter yeah. away from us. Oh, no, no, I meant erupt on the field. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> when you said he's going to feel beleaguered and blah, and that sort of stuff. And like, you know, he's- yeah, no, 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 he does that. You know, in front of us, he's... I mean, he's all yeah, he's smiling. He's a different guy. Yeah, and as soon as he gets, and as soon as he gets anywhere near a phone or an online device, all of a sudden, it's the world is coming down on his shoulders. So, look, uh, you know, his he is what he is, uh, and the Steelers know that, and they they know that for better and worse, and they know that they've got you know the most dynamic running back in the NFL. Whether you think he's the best or not it's indisputable that he's the most dynamic in terms of the different things that he offers you to the offense. Uh, they don't have an alternative to that, not at this stage, not with a quarterback of this experience. Offensive line has learned how to block for him uh, with his patient running style. He is all that and more, and they need him to win the Super Bowl. Well, Dayon, you know, this is the premise that I advanced today, not only in the trip but on air today, filling in for Mark, and it's about our maybe – I don't know, predetermined belief that it's going to be all about Lev early in the season as it was last year. Like, you know, first three and actually to five weeks, well beyond when Lev started to get going, the rest of the team wasn't exactly in sync. You know, like Ben was really bad against Jacksonville in week five. The offensive line wasn't as awesome as it normally has been in recent years. There were other aspects to the offense beyond Le'Veon Bell that were problematic last year. And 
because they wound up 13-3 and three and everybody got in sync by the end, we just sort of look back and say, oh, well, the wild card must have been that Bell wasn't around for preseason and training camp. And- yeah, no, no, no. I, I love this point because everyone forgets that for the first seven weeks, better part of the first seven weeks, we were, remember the stuff about Ben's arm strength? Yeah, you well, the old cow- the old cowboy didn't have it anymore. Oh, he didn't have it, right? And and he and he couldn't uh, he couldn't hit guys who were wide open as they were moving uh, down down the field. Uh, now you look at the different weapons that he has, and I think you could have a different script on that count alone, uh, because we've seen what James Washington in particular has done in this training camp that he can offer a different dimension to the passing attack. The thing that's really different, though, Tim about the offense, I think, as it projects into this year, is that you have guys, think about this, with Washington and Juju, and actually A.B. too, any of the three can line up in the slot for the big play. Yeah. And that's something that I don't know any team in the NFL has that capability. And they practice a lot with that formation. We saw it in Latrobe. We've seen it in the preseason. Any of those three guys can find a way to burst a seam to get a big play that's not necessarily the Martavis-style big play where you just line up to the outside and go running for broke. Uh, these are these are good quality plays that Ben is very comfortable with throwing and hitting. Uh, if they can pull those off on a consistent basis, not necessarily mean 70-yarders or whatever, I'm just talking about for decent gains for first downs, you're going to see a very different-looking Steelers offense that might just might take the script away from Le'Veon Bell early on. Dan Kovacevic with us from DKPittsburghSports.com. Tim Benz in for Mark Madden. Where do you fall on the Browns and all the attention they're getting as a result of hard knocks? Do you think all the gambling love affair with them uh, skewing the line with so much money coming in on Cleveland, uh, the attention that's being paid to them, is just this, just a result of the scuttlebutt about how intriguing hard knocks is this year more so than raw about how good they're going to be oh it, it's absolutely that i mean you know when when you're in that position you're kind of like uh well another team that's in town right now the braves remember when they were america's team because they were the tbs team they were the one that everybody got to watch so they became like the running reality show if you will this is a little bit older school uh but everybody who didn't already have a baseball team anywhere in the eastern half of the country, adopted the Braves because they were on TV all the time. And the Browns, I mean, they offer legit drama, you know? I I used to say this when I covered the Pirates through an unfortunately large chunk of their 20 years of losing the, the consecutive years, but they offered so much more compelling material to write about than they did when they started winning. You know, I mean, if, if, if at least if you're not afraid to write about right, and actually, you know what? That, that's you a know? that's a good segue, Dan, because I did want to get to the pirates too and Clint Hurdle's role because we're starting to hear grumblings of dissatisfaction about Hurdle as a manager and whether or not the pirates should consider firing him. I don't think that they will. I don't know if they should because uh, is somebody else going to come in here and do better? You know, with 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 S. Rod and with Jordan Luplo, I I, I well, don't what, think that what they are. By the grumblings, I'm I'm not sure I followed you. On well, grumblings. you know, I'm hearing a lot. Actually, ironically, from their own flagship station today, a couple of shows had talked about um, firing okay, Clint Hurdle. Like actual pirates? Or no, 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 not not oh, players. Okay. Just no. so we're clear on that. media yeah, scuttlebutt. I mean, fan, fan, di- yeah, manager. Yeah, fan people, angst. People think the manager was the one 
who had who came up with the insane decision in San Francisco to you know to start Clay Holmes and to push the rotation back a day. It wasn't him at all, and the Pirates front office admitted that through a surrogate three days later after they let Clint get buried for it publicly. Uh, you know this this team is in one hell of a slump right now. I mean, you're talking about oh historic. You know, it's it's historic. Yeah. 1907 it's, stuff. It's it's mind-boggling to see uh, some of the, the the comparisons and how far they've had to go back. And, and you know this group is capable of hitting. We've seen it. It's not guesswork. In July, I mean July was what two weeks ago. They they led the majors in home runs. So you'd be okay with them bringing him back next year then? I don't think he's an issue in, in one direction or the other. I, if there are issues within his staff. I mean, Joey Cora, the third base coach, can't possibly come back. I mean, he's gotten 20 guys thrown out at home plate. That's twice as many as you should be able to, to, to pull off, even with an aggressive approach, which he doesn't have. He doesn't have an approach. He stops guys when they should be scoring. Yeah, there's uh, been know, some of that this year, too. Is, the manager is the most convenient of all possible scapegoats. Let me ask you this, Tim. Who's he had? Who's he had brought up from Indianapolis? Other than Austin Meadows, the entire season. Name me one player who's come up from Indianapolis that Hurdle's been able to say, "Yeah, here I can plug in this hole with this guy." No, you're right. There's no Connor Not Sheary here. One. You know, there's Not no one. there's no Brian Rust or Jake Gensel here. Nope. Uh, no, there isn't, there isn't even a Dominic Simone in the group. Oh, I think they're all Dominic Simones. Um, <laughs> before we go here, Dan, I only got 30 seconds. This Starling Marte visit to the doctor, was this a Martavis Bryant headache situation, or what did we just witness here with him? No, nah, he's pouting. He does that. He does that. It's, it's not a character strength on his end. Uh, I've gotten to know him really well over the years, and when something happens that's not good to him, uh, he'll go and stalk in the corner, and I've seen him myself doing it this week. Uh, he feels like he carried the team, and he's right for the better part of this summer. And the first time something went wrong, everybody turned on him. That's just how he is. It's who he is. Dayon, thanks. Enjoy the Riverhounds game. We'll talk again soon. I'll see you, Tim. Thank you. All right, that is Dayon Kovacevic from DKPittsburghSports.com. Check him out there. And uh, thanks to Chris Adamski for joining us from the Trib and Andy Benoit as well for telling us why and how the Steelers are going to beat the Patriots this year and go to the Super Bowl. He still didn't tell me how 27 to 24 was going to stick for the Super Bowl, though, against the Falcons. What do you see? He tried to blame that on the editors, right? Let them pick the score? And they should have picked it better. Mark's back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. This is 1059 The X.